0: week, Kelly and I talk about speakers and presenters adapting in the moment, no matter what happens, and ways to check in with what your audience needs. Let's jump into it. Welcome to Ongoing Mastery, presenting and speaking the podcast. And today, the conversation. And in this case, it's Kelly and I talking about something we Talk about fairly often, which is adapting in the moment. So, Kelly, when we talk about adapting in the moment, what do we mean by that?
1: Well, it's a shorthand phrase that packs a lot into it. But what it means at the heart is to be able to deal with whatever is going to happen in your room, that you can't freeze like a deer in headlights when you have any one of a number of things happen and you have no
0: plan B and C. And And D. Yeah. And F. Yes, exactly. So the things that can go wrong in a virtual setting are numerous. The things that go wrong in an in person setting are again numerous. You got to figure out what those are and you got to plan for at least, if not a backup for it going wrong, at least realize that if it goes wrong, you may have to punt. That's a thing that happens. So in a dynamic performance, That means your content, your material has to flex based on an audience's needs. And this is good. An audience first approach, which is what we want, as we always say. So actually, I'm going to throw this to Kelly. Kelly, what do we always say about your content?
1: That if it is the same with every time you do it, if it doesn't change at all with your different audiences,
0: why is your audience there? It should have been a video. Yep. Yeah. If your content first, make videos. And videos are fine. We make videos, but they're still audience first videos. If you are in love with your content, that's wonderful. I'm happy for you. I hope you're very happy together. But if you're trying to connect with people, that's not it. That's not how that works. So you not only have to expect the unexpected, but you need to be able to prep your content for adaption. And that's really important. What happens to the audience if you don't prep for it And you start to lose them, Kelly. What are the things that happen? They tune out. They get engrossed in their
1: phone while you're taking 10 minutes to fix the tech issue and not being able to continue in some way with the presentation. Or they feel bad for you. They're still with you, but now they're feeling pity. They're feeling emotionally uncomfortable. And now they're distracted from the point of whatever it is you were saying. Or
0: they leave. Yeah. Yeah. At one of the conferences, there was a presenter on stage who's very experienced and he's been doing this for a long, long, long time, written many, many books. And he made a comment that I'm sure was a joke that flew fine with audiences 20 years ago, but does not work with audiences today. And one of my friends got up and walked out and I sat there feeling uncomfortable and I lost the ability to believe what he was saying because he had said something. He'd made a joke about retardation. And it was one of those things where then he went on to talk about bigger subjects. And I'm thinking, I'm having trouble giving him validity because he could, you know, it's like, if you're that disconnected, why should I listen to you? So you got to be really, really careful when you're going to lose an audience. It's very, very hard to get them back. And if they feel bad for you, they are going to be in their heads about it. So what does it look like to do this in actual practice? When... You may not know anything about your audience. Now, in Kelly's case, her audience is in a classroom. She gets to know them as it first starts. But Kelly, how do you get to know, like, what do you know about your students before the thing starts? What information do you have? I know that they are students at my institution. If I'm teaching the first year
1: writing class, I have a guess as to where they are in the curriculum. If I'm teaching one of my intermediate classes, I could have from sophomores to last semester seniors. But if I'm teaching first-year writing, I probably have a first semester freshman, a second semester freshman, or first-year sophomore. So relatively new to college is one of the things I know about them.
0: Awesome. And that helps a lot. When I'm presenting, I'm doing especially webinars. I know very little about my audience. I only know based on their interest in the topic, what they might be as a Mm -hmm. pool of people. So I have to pull that information live. When I'm presenting at a conference, it's similar. I can meet people in advance and talk in advance and get a sense of the room But it's still, you're discovering it live. So whatever you know about your audience, consider the type of person who would be present for what you're saying. What are their needs? What are their wants? That's the focus. Then you need to chunk your content. Okay. So chunking your content, this is standard instructional design practice. You can put it into units. You can go for themes. You can go for categories. You can pull out just the key points, whatever works for your material, but What can be done during a speech or presentation to make sure the audience is with you? What suggestions, Kelly, do you have for being able to flex on an audience live in the moment?
1: Well, my classes tend to be fairly small, so I'm able to read body language because I can see everyone. Or even when during the pandemic we were presenting online, I had a relatively small number of square faces in the Hollywood squares box. So I could still see if folks were looking at the camera. Did Mm -hmm. they seem to be typing at an appropriate time? Or were they typing at a time where they were clearly doing something not connected to my class? So Mm -hmm. the reading of body language engagement, eye contact, the kind of head nods of yes, I'm with you, or the the face scrunches of
0: Yep. That. Those sorts of things are big cues for me. And for those of you listening who are automatically, I hear some of you thinking it, but but I don't get that online. That's the problem. That's right. You may not see their camera. And no, please do not make them put their camera on. They put their camera on if they're comfortable with it. Do not force them to do that, please, for lots of reasons. So what you have to do in a virtual setting is you have to use the tools that communicate with your audience. Whether you ask them to unmute and talk, whether you use the chat pod, whether you break people out into small breakout groups and you go in between those as the presenter. But what I do in the beginning is I get people used to the chat pod. I get them inside there in a very simple way, telling me where they're from, what they're drinking, so that they're either hands on the keyboard or they're using whatever technology it is to communicate. And then you do speed checks you do temperature checks. So, you know, if you're cruising along and you realize that you've kind of gone down a rabbit hole, you can actually stop in the middle of the presentation and go, okay, so how are we doing? Is this too fast? Too slow? Is this just right? Let's do the Goldilocks thing in the chat. Give me a one if it's too fast, a two if it's just right, and a three if I should slow the hell down. Let me see what we got. And be honest about it because it's a live Connection to humans. They want to know that they matter because they do matter. And if they didn't, you shouldn't be doing this. Thank you, Angel. She agrees. Yes. Yes. And she's also reminding
1: us that that works live in the room as well. Quick show of hands. How many people? This is a good pace. Quick show of hands. How many people need me to take it down a couple notches? It's easy. It's fast. It shows that they're still paying attention to the
0: words you're saying. And for the people who are just listening, watch the video because I muted my microphone while well, Kelly did that and then started of shaking dog treats. And I have Angel right here who was like, okay, I won't interrupt your podcast, but I need dubbies to do that there. Have some. Okay.
1: Or she will interrupt the
0: podcast because she knows that we've got treats. Yes. Okay. No more. <laughs> and she walks off with a look of disdain that only a dog can have. All right. So let's talk about things that can go wrong, like your pets might interrupt. And if that's a reason for you to stop everything, okay. But honestly, people are kind of used to that. You know, just don't don't get so worried that somebody's going to be mad at you. You know, oh my God, it's so unprofessional. Unclench, people. You know, we're all human. It's fine. You just roll with what happens. Tech might not be available. Your kids might do something. One of the best moments it went viral was a guy who was giving a conversation. He was doing a presentation. He was on camera and he was talking about a very serious topic and his kids came in behind him and it was a little infant and a little girl and she walked with this, I'm so happy to be alive, Cadence, that she became a meme. Now, (laughs) he was panicked, but he dealt with it. And the wife came in and quickly grabbed the kids and pulled them out of the room. And he kind of was like, "Okay," But that went viral not because it was bad, but because the kid was adorable. And he now to this day is kind of known and he gets better press for it. And, you know, like it didn't blow him up. And there's a whole meme about his daughter being this adorable, cocky kid going, hello, I love the world. And it was so cute. There are yeah. other types of tech. Kelly, do you know the um, lawyer cat meme? Are you aware of that one? Yes, I do. It's a Zoom filter that
1: I don't recall if the user had turned it on, just kind of playing around and then couldn't turn it off, or if someone else in the user's house had turned it on for previous Zoom and the user then just had no idea how to turn it off. But a lawyer went through an entire professional meeting, I don't know, if a client or with the internal team, with a cap filter on yeah. and just had to roll with it or spend 20 minutes trying
0: to turn it off. Now, here's the funny thing, because I'm a huge fan of LawTube. So I go on YouTube and I follow certain lawyers. I absolutely love them to death. It's amazing. Emily D. Baker, I'm a fan. The thing about that is that lawyer was doing something in front of a judge. And the filter was turned on, and he had no idea how to turn it off. So there was a clip of him going, I'm here. I'm not a cat. I'm ready to go. The fact that I'm here, Your Honor, I'm not a cat, is a meme. These things are gonna happen. Now that guy, admittedly, he probably wanted the earth to swallow him whole. And yeah, the judge the judge was awesome. Recently, one of my favorite lawyers on the internet, Emily D. Baker, Lawtube, brought up that meme and referenced it about the Jared Leto on the carpet in the cat outfit. For the last mm-hmm. Met Gala, and she yeah. took a picture of Jared Leto with the cat outfit with the cat thing, saying, I am not a cat, and referenced that and tagged the judge. The judge participated. He joined in. Okay? It yeah. was funny. So this is on Twitter, and he actually like responded and he did he went with it. So this is what is expected now. This is what is needed from you is Know that things are going to go wrong and roll with them. Because if you roll with them, like this judge, he's now got this reputation for being such a cool guy because he just was like, okay, you know, he's like, Mr. Leto, I think your filters are on. And it was just this perfect comment. And he went through. So what do we do about trolls? Trolls. Kelly, in the classroom, in the virtual space, on the stage, how do you deal with trolls? Well, it's a little different for my students because I
1: can't unenroll them from the class, but I need to deal with the behavior that they're exhibiting that's not appropriate, or it's going to be a really long semester. Mm -hmm. So I start with a fairly low level intervention and escalate, but I have asked students to leave the room and stop talking. And waited until they did. And it doesn't happen often. Yeah. We're a private four year institution. That kind of behavior is obviously not acceptable. And there are consequences when you behave like that. But sometimes it does. And gotta be ready to go there. Gotta be ready to yeah. own the room.
0: Yes, that's exactly it. The room is yours. And the thing that is not obvious about that is that your owning the room is mandatory, not only for you but also for your people, because their safety, their emotional and mental safety depends on you owning your room because you are the keeper of their journey. Hi, Chris. I hear Chris in the background. (laughs) So again, you know, this is what it's like. We're recording. We're live. It's all good. When you're doing online, you have a little more ability I can boot people out of the room. If I have a producer, they can boot people out of the room. I can mute somebody's microphone. But a lot of times what you have are unintended trolls. You have people that are not actually trying to be difficult, but they just completely throw you. Somebody who comes in with something that is just what the, you know, you're completely thrown. So there's a technique that we use that is from improv and it is called yes and. So the deal is this do not be a butt. Do not butt people. And yes, that can be the quote for this episode. Do not butt people. When you do this, I'm going to use Kelly's example. So I'm talking and then Kelly comes up with something and it's completely, I'm okay, she's had some specialty. I don't know what's going on with her. She's on space. So what I have to do is not do this. Uh, okay. Um, uh, Kelly, that's amazing. That's really uh interesting, but we have to get back to the material. Not only is that wrong because I said but, which invalidated her. Kelly, what else was wrong with that? You didn't sound
1: particularly confident, and you put the material ahead of the experience the audience was having.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So when that happens, what you do is you listen, you do what you need to, and then Wow, that's really interesting. I had no idea that squirrels liked guacamole. And what we're talking about today is, boom, you're right back in it. I have not invalidated her. I've given her my energy and love. But this is what we're doing. We're all adults. Let's move forward. You yes and people back into the room. You do not need to take them out at the knees, okay? Most people are not trying to be jerks most people really aren't. You'll have people who will get caught in loops. I've had a few people in some of my longer webinars get caught in a loop where they cannot let go of something. They just will not let go. And they're in the chat like, like holding on to it for dear life going, no, but we must talk about this. And I had to stop something and say, I need you to back channel with the producer because I cannot stay any more time on that. I need to move forward. We all have things we need to cover today. Now, yeah. The advantage to that is I had a producer. A lot of times you don't. Now that means that you need to know your technology well enough that if you need to boot that person, you're going to need to boot them. And what you might need to do is if it's a paid webinar, say, I'm sorry, I need to move forward. If this is not working for you, I will be happy to refund your money or whatever your policy is, but I'm going to need you to let me continue. And if not, I'm going to have to remove you from the room. I'm sorry. And yeah then that's it. Take them out. You know, when you're online, you've got to be hands on the mute anyway, because if you have open mics, which you should not have if it's a group over 10 people, really, you should have everybody's mics off except the presenter. But if you have open mics, you're going to need to be keeping an eye on that because every once in a while somebody's going to accidentally unmute or unmute because they intend to talk and then something will happen in the have a conversation with their spouse and you need to mute that right away so that you or the presenter is not thrown by that so if you're producing you need to do it if you're the presenter you need to be ready to do it yep. so that's kind of what we wanted to hit for today and i'm just glancing at our notes yeah i think that's it so adapt in the moment is you know, we do this work with people. We help people chop up their content and practice doing it. So you may need to find surfaces like ours. You may need to find a coach. You may need to set up stuff at work. But the most important thing and the key message I want to leave you with is practice for the love of all things. Practice for real life. Don't practice for perfection. Kelly, what's your takeaway from today? Well, my takeaway
1: is related. When you practice, you gain confidence, and it's confidence that takes you through whatever happens that you weren't expecting. So that adaptability really is rooted in your confidence that you know your shit,
0: you own your room, and Mm -hmm. you've got this, whatever this is. That's it. Perfect. I'm going to end on that. Everybody, we will see you next time. Have a good one. Cheers. If you enjoyed this conversation about adaptability and knowing your audience, check out Season 1, Episode 4, NSA Influence 2022 Notes from a First Time Attendee. Link is in the show notes.